you want to say, say yourself, Leah, for just starting your recording of the actual <laughs> thing? Oh, that interesting. I don't want them to know <laughs> I hurt myself with a table by moving it back after I bumped it with my foot. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to this episode of Society's Waltz. Today we're going to be talking about what makes a classic. I think it's safe to assume that most of you listening have some sort of opinion on the matter. Maybe you think that Star Wars is just another sci-fi film that doesn't need another spin-off, or that Airplane is a cinematic masterpiece that must be shown to all generations. Don't worry, I won't judge. The point is, this type of discourse is something you can see all over the internet as well as real life. But what I want to know is what the true meaning of a classic is, not just someone's opinion. And since this podcast is focused on dance, do ballets such as The Nutcracker or Giselle deserve such a title as a classic? I'm your host, Grace Leishman, and welcome to The Waltz. This particular topic is much more based on opinions than what I'm usually used to talking about on this show. It's not something that I can just research and talk to you guys about. So I decided it'd be best for me to meet up with a couple of my classmates and talk about what it means to be a classic. I'm Anthony Shudra from the Only Lore Warhammer podcast. I'm Grace Leishman from Society's Waltz. And I'm Kaya from Relative Soul. Now, although I would love to just let that clip roll and not have to deal with the editing of this podcast, it would just be so excruciatingly boring for both me and you. So instead, I have decided to play what I think were the best arguments or examples that were brought up during our conversation. Uh, so, I guess to start off, uh, you guys, what do you think of when you, uh, know, think about a classic? In, either in literature, movies, stuff like that, what, what do you think makes a classic? Well, in class, and we talked about, like, a lot of, like, Shakespeare, more specifically, Romeo and Juliet. I think that's like, kind of like, when you think of a classic, that's like one of the main things. Cause you know, it's old, it's like, it's kind of, there's been so many interpretations of it. And that's kind of just, you know, one of the go-to examples of a classic. But for what actually makes a classic, I think, well, first off, a classic, it always has to have like something new because you never see like a mediocre action movie become a classic because it's pretty much the same thing that countless others have done. So it has to have something unique. Yeah. Um, I, I actually find a lot of uh, so-called classics, they, they're usually like the first in their genre or something. Like if you think of maybe Scream or Frankenstein, it's kind of like the start of something new, right? Yeah. And it, it kind of creates like this snapshot in time, like you, you watch or experience that text and you think of a certain time period when it has to capture that picture and it has to, um, it has to be kind of like 
awing to an audience. <laughs> People have to be fascinated. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I also find that um, kind of some movies or books um, that were only appealed to a small group of people in the past can kind of make a comeback and appeal to a huge group of people in the future. Um, a lot of things that I really enjoy and a lot of people enjoy things that are classics were not actually super successful when they first came out and then they kind of built up a little bit, which arguably could not make them a classic or could because it wasn't successful in time, but I'm not sure. No, well, uh, I think the thing is, it's really dependent on the relevance of it mm -hmm. in the society. Because um, I, I think there's sometimes something will come out and it's like, it's just not something that a lot of people have experience with or understand, but as it ages, um, it becomes a lot more kind of recognized as something that uh, part of the human experience or something and becomes kind of a classic. I know I'm technically complimenting myself, but already both of these points touch on what I think are very important parts of what keeps something as a classic. If something is going to stay relevant, then obviously it has to stand out in the first place. Take for example, JK Rowling. Her success was not even close to being instant, but these days Harry Potter is praised for its marvelous world building as well as foreshadowing. It wasn't exactly new, but the way that she had been able to craft her story stood out from the rest and has itself become a classic fantasy novel. Yeah, I think that's, it's, it's kind of just like how, we kind of already talked about this, but like how classics kind of age, mm -hmm. and like they're they're actually pretty associated with age if you think about it because if someone sees a movie and it came out like today and they're like this is a classic well usually people like kind of wait and see for like what other people think before like That's what's it actually happened gets like decided. with Black Panther actually I was looking up for this I was looking up uh, movies that are considered classics and it was like all these old movies like Casablanca and stuff like that mm -hmm. and then on like the fifth page is like Black Panther and, like that how that came out like few years ago, why is that considered a classic? It hasn't been given enough time to kind of see if it stays relevant or not. And honestly, I think it's, even now, just the amount of time, I don't think it would be considered a classic. Because mm -hmm. like, it hasn't done anything truly new or... Yeah. I mean, that is kind of subjective. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm sure <laughs> some people would argue. Yeah, no. and. There's, that's another thing with cla uh, what is a classic, it can also be very subjective to who's talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like usually on those, like you said, you saw a list of like movies considered to be classics. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, most people have to like consider it to be like really good. If you only, like you were talking about fandoms earlier, mm -hmm. if you have like a very small group of people who like absolutely love this <laughs> and then everyone else hasn't even heard of it, yeah. it's, it's not really going to be considered a classic unless it becomes more mainstream. Yeah. Well, we could also get into like what is the story, like why is the story becoming a classic? What did what are people drawn to mm -hmm. in the story that makes makes it so monumental, it makes it like so unbeatable, like it's the one to beat, like it's the story. <laughs> <laughs> what what parts of the story need to be there? What has to be there? Does there have to be tragedy? Does there have to be a love story? Does mm -hmm. there have to be death? Well, I mean, I guess I guess since my podcast is about dance, I should talk about dance a little bit. 
Um, but for ballets, like the classic ballets, mm -hmm. you know, it's always very surrounding of love. And, like you have um, things like Sleeping Beauty or um, actually there's also very much of a supernatural element to most of the popular mm -hmm. ballets. Like, uh, But also things like Giselle that's very much just about the love story between these two mm -hmm. um, people. And uh, you'll... It's uh, interesting. That's the kind of thing that will become a classic in that media, but in other pieces of media like movies, it becomes just so, sort of a trope that people know of, and you can't become a classic just by having an okay love story. Yeah. Now, after listening to that conversation, your brain may be going into overdrive thinking about your own concept of what makes a classic. Or you honestly don't care about what the definition of a classic is and just want to enjoy what you want to enjoy. Either's fine. But like I said at the start of the episode, I want to look at some of the fam most famous ballets and see if we can truly classify them as a classic. And if I'm truly honest, I'm not sure. The thing about ballets like Sleeping Beauty or Swan Lake is that unlike the examples that we talked about, they aren't classics just because of their stories. Although some of them are, it's usually not the main reason. They're famous because of the difficulty of the dances within the ballets. Dances like the Rose Adage, or the Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. In my opinion, they stay relevant because they have stayed as dances that ballerinas strive to perform to prove their skills as a dancer. Just like Shakespeare is an important part of the theatre community, these dances are what pushes dancers to continue what they do, to surpass the old masters of the art and be recognized. Which is true for many of these classics. We look at them and think, how can I do that, but better? Their relevance to us as a society is what makes them classics, and that is the most basic version of it. It pushes us to become better, but will always stay as a status quo. There are so many other points and opinions that came up during our discussion, and sadly I wasn't able to put all of them in this episode. So make sure to go check out both Anthony's and Kaya's episodes on what makes a classic as well. There will be a link in the description for both of their podcasts. Finally, I would like to thank you guys for listening to this episode of Society's Waltz. I know it was pretty different from the previous episodes, but it means a great deal to me that you made it to the end. Finally, I'd like to thank both Kaya and Anthony for taking the time to have this conversation and spread their wisdom with the world. Make sure to subscribe so you always know when a new episode is out, and as always, stay classy. Stay classy.